Welcome to episode 6 of the Super Junior Podcast. I'm your host, Wade Green. I want to thank you guys for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in and hear me. I really appreciate it. I hope everyone's week is going well. For those of you who hate your job, don't worry. It's almost over. If you have a regular 9 to 5, it's almost the weekend. For my people who work the weekend, especially my servers, I'm sorry. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I know it's busy, but at least you're going to make that money. So hang in there. It's going to be better days ahead. But let's get started with these topics for this week. Boston Celtics, they're struggling. Kyrie Irving speaks out. James Harden, he's balling out of his mind. LaMarcus Aldridge, he just had a big game against Oklahoma City Thunder last week. The NFL, you got the playoffs going on. Then you have Kyler Murray entering the NFL draft. Antonio Brown still beefing with the Steelers. But let's get into the sports right now. We're going to start in the NBA because James Harden right now is balling out of his mind. James Harden has 18 straight games of 30-plus points. Monday night versus the Grizzlies, he had 57 points, 36 points in the first half. And then Wednesday night against the Brooklyn Nets, his team lost, and he didn't shoot the last shot. He let Gerald Green shoot, which I was mad about. But he scored 58 points. This nigga James Harden is balling out of his mind. And Did you guys know? That Wilt Chamberlain, I saw this graphic on ESPN. Wilt Chamberlain scored 515 straight games of 30-plus points. That's ridiculous. That is freaking ridiculous. I've never seen anything like that. That's like five seasons worth of 30-point straight games. That's crazy. But James Harden right now, in January, he's had four 40-point games. He's averaging 42 points, 9.7 assists, 8.4 rebounds, 1.9 steals, 1.1 1.1 blocks, 42% from the field, 35 from the three-point line, and 92% from the foul line. And he's also doing this without Capella now because he's going to be out for four to six weeks with his broken thumb or his messed up thumb. I don't know if it's broken or not. And then Capella's averaging 18 points and 13 rebounds per game. And as we know, Eric Gordon just returned last night, but he's been out. And also Chris Paul has been out as well. So he's doing it all by himself right now. And I think... What he's doing is amazing, and what everything he's doing is going to be an MVP. But at the same time, people need to remember, James Harden, he doesn't do this when it matters most in the playoffs. He doesn't show up when he needs most in the playoffs. And that's what people just need to remember. Don't get too excited, and this is all going to be used as an excuse later. I said it on IG over the weekend. All this that he's doing, everyone's going to give him all this critical acclaim, but when the playoffs rolls around and he says that he's tired and he can't perform in the playoffs... Don't be surprised. I told you. I told you. James Harden, to me, in the server industry, we used to call people like James Harden or people I feel like are James like James Harden shooters. In the server industry, a shooter is someone who comes in, going all flashy, and then they come in buying up everything. Get, get me five shots of Patron. Let me get Hennessy. Let me get the chicken and waffles. Let me get this. Let me get that. They order all this stuff. Their bill comes up to like $300. You think they balled out of their mind? They spending all this money. So you think they're going to leave you a nice tip if you give them, you do a great job for them? And then when the check comes, when that moment comes when you have to actually show your appreciation, this is like, this is money time, basically. When money time comes, you know what they do? They only tip you $5 on a $300 check. James Harden, I don't want to tip a $5 from you, James Harden. 
I'm wanting the playoffs. I want you to show up and actually do what you are showing that you can do. A stretch like this, 18 games, 18 games in the playoffs like this, the Houston Rockets are winning. And if Chris Paul comes back healthy and Eric Gordon comes back healthy and y'all start meshing well, Houston Rockets are going to win. So, James Harden, just keep that in mind. Don't be a shooter. Please don't be a shooter. Rest servers, we don't like shooters. James Harden, we don't like people who don't show up in the playoffs. We don't like people who just tease us in the in the regular season. And trust me, there's a bunch of other shooters out there in the sports world. Alex Rodriguez was a shooter. He did everything in the regular season. He made you feel like he was going to show up in the playoffs until 2009. He didn't show up. 2009 playoffs with the Yankees, he did show up. But before that, he never showed up. He was a shooter. There's a couple other shooters out there in the sports world. It's not just in the restaurants. In servers, I'm going to share your story because I understand the, the pain that you go through when you pour your heart out onto a table and you do a great job. And especially a table like this, that's ordering all this stuff because they don't get it. They don't get it. You have to tip out on that large ass bill. They don't get that part. <sighs> and then to have someone like James Harden, man, I really hope he shows up in the playoffs this year. I hope Chris Paul comes back healthy. Get that man James Harden some rest because I do not want to hear that excuse that he was tired. I don't want to hear it this year. I don't want to hear it. Let's move on to the Boston Celtics because Kyrie Irving is out here throwing shots, shots at his teammates. Tick, tock, gun, shot. Bullet, 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 Let's give a little background to this story. The Boston Celtics, they've been struggling recently. They were on a four-game winning streak, and then they just came off a three-game losing streak. During that three-game losing streak, they lost to the Heat, Magic, and Nets. In each of those games, there was a little drama after the game, or during the game. During the Heat game on last Thursday, Demarcus Morris and Jalen Brown, they got into a shoving match during one of the timeouts. Beef, little squash, may move past it. Then in the Magic game, the Nets game, Kyrie Irving, final play, he's visibly upset with Gordon Hayward because Gordon Hayward throws to Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum misses the final shot. Kyrie says, why didn't you throw to Al Horford? It was supposed to go to Al Horford. And then after the game, Kyrie makes his comments to the media, and he has this to say to his teammates. The young guys don't know what it takes to be a championship-level team, what it takes every day. And if they think it's hard now, what do they think it will be like when we're trying to get to the finals? Kyrie went on to say, there were no expectations last year. Everyone played free and easy. Everyone surpassed whatever they expected for themselves. This year, we all have expectations. The players, the coaches, everyone. And that's good. But we aren't doing it yet. And Kyrie ended with, We can get there. We've got to be better. I've got to be better. We need to win these games on the road. That's on me as a leader. I need to be a better leader and help us get us there. So naturally, when I first heard those comments, I was like, damn, this nigga Kyrie just took shots at his teammates. And he did. Because he basically said, hey, you guys don't know what it takes to win. I know you guys been there. You were at Game 70 in the Eastern Conference against LeBron. But you guys don't know what it takes to win. I'm here. I can help you. Just listen to me and I will help you get there. And he kind of tried to walk the comments back the next morning, the shoot around before the next game. He said this to the media. When you win, you want to taste it again. I never want to come up, come from a place where I don't want to sound like or maybe feel like I don't want to win a championship. Sometimes I may come off and say things never to question my teammates in public like that ever again, but I just want to win so bad. 
I came from a place where I asked for a trade and I came in here and believe in this organization. And I want these guys to be successful. In order to do that, we've all got to be on the same page and have that mindset. A championship or nothing. And that can get the best of me at times. Kyrie went on to say, the responsibility goes all the way around. Part of that is learning, but also teaching and then explaining what it actually means to come in and appreciate your job and have a goal in hand that's actually a championship. You've never gone about it in your career. You've never done it. And now you come into a season where the expectations are high. Kyrie Irving is clearly taking shots at his teammates right there because he's trying to say, hey, you guys haven't been where I've been yet. You guys won a championship, but you haven't gotten there yet. And just listen to me because I can help you get there. It's basically saying that whole quote. And then he's also went on to say, I've dealt with certain pressures like that. Not particularly as the guy, but I was on a team where there was a lot of pressure just every single day. A lot of media, a lot of attention where it was just warranted every game. You want to come out and play well. I just want to see the young guys play well, as well as our older guys. But it's all going to take common knowledge, basketball IQ, and knowing what matters throughout the game. After hearing those comments from Kyrie those past two games before the Nets game and after the Orlando game, Jalen Brown had to say this to the media after the Nets game. We just got to have each other back. Yeah. You can't make time to power each other back. If you don't, everybody's going to show up. We play basketball, so from the top to the bottom, not from the bottom to the bottom. So power got to matter. Well, from those comments, I will say that Jalen Brown's trying to say, hey, it starts at the top, Kyrie. You want to come in and talk about being better and doing things in a different way? It starts at the top. You want to be a leader, you have to be a leader. It resembles something that from my favorite movie, from Big Julius. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. That's basically what Jalen Brown's trying to tell Kyrie Irving, that attitude reflect leadership. If you want to see a change, you got to be the first person to make that change. That's how I feel about Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving can't be making all these comments to the media like LeBron does. I hate when LeBron does that. You got to do it by action. Do it by following your lead. I hate those leaders that want to speak up and do all those other stuff, but they not doing anything themselves to make the team better. Things I get mad about LeBron recently, like he always wants to talk about the team, but he doesn't play his greatest. LeBron hasn't been the best two-way player in a while. He doesn't play on both ends of the court. So how can he go out in there and tell his players, say, hey, you guys need to give all your effort on the defense end when LeBron barely ever gave his effort on the defensive end. If you want your team to reach that next level and win the title, Kyrie needs to sacrifice some part of your game. And that's why I saw from you on Wednesday night against the Toronto Raptors. You went in there, you had a career high in assists, but why can't you average double-digit assists? You are the point guard of the team, but you act like you are a two-guard. Act like a point guard, play like a point guard, be the leader of this team. In the first three quarters, distribute. Get your teammates involved. Get Jason Tatum involved like you did. Get Gordon Hayward involved like you did. Al Horford like you did on Wednesday. Keep getting your other players involved. Make them feel comfortable. And then in the fourth quarter, you can take over. Be a leader in that way. Show your growth and show that you are able to sacrifice some part of your game. And then your players will also sacrifice as well. Because like I said, attitude reflect leadership. And everyone has that attitude of like, hey, I'm going to do it on my own. You know why they have that I'm going to do it on my own mentality is because their leader does it. Kyrie Irving was the same way. He's always out for his points and making himself better. He has to make his teammates better now. He has to find a way to do that, and he'll go to the next level as a leader, and he'll probably win a title with the Boston Celtics. Until he does that, you can't expect Terry Bozier to sacrifice. You can't expect Jalen Brown to sacrifice. You can't expect Jason Tatum to sacrifice his game. Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, he's going to go with the flow. But those main guys, those core young guys, he needs to make sure that 
he sets an example for them. Like, hey, I'm willing to sacrifice my game for the betterment of our team. If he it starts with Kyrie Irving, I'll agree with Jalen Brown with, with that. And I know you're probably thinking like, wow, that's a lot. It probably ended there, right? Nope. Kyrie Irving at the last night's game against the Toronto Raptors had this to say after the game. Big deal for me because I had to uh, call Bron, you know, and tell him, like, you know, I apologize for being that young player that wanted to everything at his, you know, at his fingertips. And I wanted everything to uh, be at, you know, my threshold. I wanted to be the guy that led us to change. I wanted to be the leader. I wanted to be all that. And, you know, the responsibility of being the best player in the world and leading the team is something that's not meant for many people. And Bron was one of those guys that came to Cleveland and tried to really show us show us what it's like to win a championship and it was hard for him and uh, sometimes getting the most out of the group it's not the easiest, easiest thing in the world and um, like I said only few are, are meant for it or chosen for it and you know I feel like the best person to call was him because you know he's been in this situation you know he's, he's been there with me where I've been the young guy you know being a 22 year old kid and you know wanting everything wanting everything right now you know coming off an all-star year starting and then you know this, this heck of a presence comes back and now I gotta adjust my game to this guy and um, you know, take it personal but at the end of the day he just wants what's best and he has a legacy he wants to leave and he has a window he wants to, to capture so I think what that brought me back to is like all right how do I get the best out of this group of the success they had last year and then helping them realize what it takes to win a championship Kyrie is a shrewd operator shrewd little operator shrewd he learned from the Kobe and LeBron playbook. Whew, he's a little shrewd operator. Now, going into what he said last night, clear shot. I'm going to do more shots. Talk, talk, gun, shot. Bullet, 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 Just shots all the way around to the whole team. He's basically saying, hey, young guys, I've been where you've been. I was looking up to a great LeBron James. I was fighting back and pushing back against him too. I've been where you are. But even me, I've learned from the error of my ways. Because dealing with you, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, it gave me a better appreciation for what LeBron had to go through with me because I wanted to be great. I've had my own success and I want to be there. I think I'm there already, but I got to sit back and learn. But one thing, Kyrie Irving, you got wrong. You didn't really have any success without LeBron James. You only had success when LeBron James got there. They actually did it without you. That's the difference between you, your situation, and what LeBron's situation is, and their situation with you. It's the difference because they had success without you. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals without you. So that's why they feel empowered, like they don't need you. That's why. But Kyrie, you're a shrewd operator. You're a shrewd, shrewd man. Shrewd man. Because you, you're going in a roundabout way to tell them, basically, hey, apologize to me. I understand you think you're great, and you, but you're not yet. I'm here to help you get to that next level. He's basically like, I can elevate you. You know how gangsta is basically say to another man that I can elevate you? Like, yeah, you're good. But I can elevate you to greater heights. Help me help you to get to greater heights. That's how Kyrie's coming off right now. It's true. If he keeps playing like how he did last night against the Toronto Raptors, then his teammates will respond in a positive way towards it. But if he doesn't keep playing that way, if he gets more selfish and he starts saying, this is my team and I'm going to try by myself, that's what's going to be a problem. 
He has to keep being a leader. Like I said, he has to keep distributing the ball. He has to keep being the point guard of this team. He can't be the, the two guard wanting to take all the shots. Let Jason Tatum cook. Let Jalen Brown cook. Let Gordon Hayward cook. And then when money time comes, that's where you step in, Kyrie. I see what you're doing with these quotes, man. Dragging LeBron into it. I see what you're doing. You're a shrewd operator. You're a shrewd man. You just want these guys to listen to you. You want them to fall in line and let them know, like, hey, this is my team. And if they don't, guess what? Kyrie, come be on the Knicks. You could be the star of the New York Knicks. I know you're from New, you're from New Jersey. You want to play for the Knicks one day? Come play for the Knicks. If they don't want to listen, Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, if they don't want to listen to you, come play for the Knicks. That's what I say. But let's move on to a different topic. We're off of Kyrie Irving and all this drama that's going on in Boston. Let's move forward to professional drama king LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. They're having a little trouble right now because the Lakers suck without LeBron. And LeBron's going to be out for a little bit longer with that growing injury. So we're going to see what Luke Walton has. Without LeBron, they right now they're currently 3-7 and seven without LeBron this year. And they're just falling and falling out of the Western Conference playoffs. I think if... Luke Walton doesn't get it together without LeBron. They're going to fire Luke Walton. I can see them having a new coach when the All-Star break comes back. And there's not much Luke Walton can do about it because the players aren't responding. They're just not responding. They lost to the Knicks and the Cavaliers. If they would have lost to the Bulls on Tuesday night, Lord, Lord, Lord. Thank God they got that win. But they need more players to step up and actually play better this year. Lonzo Ball, he doesn't look like he's actually improved anything. Josh Hart, he's playing well. Him and Kuzma, the only two players that actually stepped up and showed that he actually do something and actually could play alongside LeBron James because Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, they haven't shown that. And if, if I was Magic Johnson, Rob Palenka, and LeBron, I would be looking to trade those two guys for someone else. Like, it's time time to get rid of them. I know this little picture when Magic Johnson, LeBron, and Rob Palenka were standing in the trouble looking at the Woley Lakers. I thought... That right from that point, it was going to be over for them. There's no fight in the, in the LA Lakers. And Luke Walton has to show that, hey, I'm actually doing a job coaching. Because it doesn't look like they're coaching. It looks like the only reason why they win is because of LeBron. And if they're going to win because of LeBron, might as well get another coach in there that's actually going to help the team. If there's no difference with LeBron, and it's just if LeBron plays, they win. If he doesn't, they lose. So what's the point of having this man Luke Walton in? Might as well have LeBron coach the team, and whenever LeBron plays, they'll win. Or let him be a player coach. Because right now, I don't like what I'm seeing from Luke Walton. And I always thought it was a little blimp when he went like 25-3 and with the Golden State Warriors. So I was like, oh, I'm not impressed. He had one of the best players. Steph Curry is fucking playing out of his mind right now. We'll get to him next week. Steph Curry is balling out of his mind. If he wasn't getting so hurt and James Harden wasn't going off like he is, he will be an MVP conversation because that man is balling out of his mind. But when he has Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green, and Harrison Barnes on that team, and he went 25-3, and three, you can expect that. I could have went 25-3 and three or 25-2 and two with that team. Come on, man. Anyone could. Anybody could have. Goddamn, who is the worst coach in the NBA right now? I don't even know. Jim Boylan, he would have. Jim Boylan's the worst coach because the Bulls are the worst team. So he could have went twenty-five and two with the the Golden State Warriors team. Luke Walton has to show and prove that he's made some adjustments to the team and he's actually implementing something to make this team better. He needs to coach these guys up. They're young. Coach them up. Coach them up. And if you need to use more of the older guys, Lance Stevenson, Rondo, and Michael Beasley, use them. 
Because <laughs> you're going to lose your job keep messing around. Keep If you keep playing like this, after the All-Star break, Luke Wallen's going to be gone. Let's move on for Luke Wallen. More news in the NBA. The Mavs looking to move. Dennis Smith Jr. J.J. Barea just got hurt, so maybe that will slow down the talks. But I know that the Phoenix and Orlando are the leading people that want to get him. If I was Dennis Smith Jr., I would want to stay in Dallas because I think him and Luka Doncic would be a great pair. I would say let Luka Doncic be the point guard. Dennis Smith Jr. just be the off guard. Make cuts to the basket. Be a scorer. And occasionally handle the ball. I know your decision-making skills aren't the greatest right now. So this build that up while Luka Doncic handles the ball and he leads the team. And you just be that off guard. That scoring off guard who can occasionally handle the ball. Run some offense through that person. You can be that guy on that team. So I would push and fight to stay on that team. If I do get moved, if I was him, I would want to go to Phoenix. Even though Phoenix, they have all these pieces already, but it doesn't seem like they're messing and they're gelling and they're a good, a cohesive team. But him alongside Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Kelly Oubre, Mikel Bridges, Josh Jackson, that will be a great young nucleus. Obviously, Phoenix will have to give up some of those young pieces to get Dennis Smith Jr., but those little pieces, you're not going to give up DeAndre Ayton. You're not giving up um, Devin Booker. So this having those two and you keeping possibly Kelly Oubre and possibly Mikel Bridges, maybe even Justin Jackson, if you get to keep all those guys, hey, and you give away maybe Jamal Crawford and, and some other veteran to go over there and maybe T.J. Warren you probably have to get rid of. T.J. Warren's another good player on that team as well. So if they get Dennis Jr., I would be happy if I was Phoenix. But Phoenix needs to show that they can actually develop a team and actually have a team that makes the playoffs. Because they have talent. So I don't understand why they're like 5 and 25. It's ridiculous. Dennis Jr., you need to get it together. I hope you stay with Dallas. I'm wishing the best for you. Let's talk about LaMarcus Aldridge. Because LaMarcus Aldridge, he had a career night last Thursday against Oklahoma City Thunder. He scored 56 points in a double overtime win against the Thunder. And after the game, of course he wants the game ball. But he fought really hard for that game ball. He was like, oh, give me the ball. Give me the ball. And I didn't like that. Because I'm just like, damn, LaMarcus Aldridge, do you care about anything else? You care about this regular season game where you score 56 points? 56 points is amazing. But it's just like, damn, you fought that hard for that ball? You don't fight that hard to win actual games in the playoffs, though. Don't get me wrong. He came up big that one year. They played Oklahoma City Thunder in San Antonio. He had two straight 40-point games against Serge Ibaka and Steven Adams. But after that, Oklahoma City shut his ass down for the rest of the series. And that's always happens in the playoffs with Marcus Aldridge. He reminds me of James Harden, another shooter. A-Rod, he's in that group, a shooter, a person that shows up in the regular season, sometimes in the playoffs, shows glimpses of hope, like they finally going to turn it around, turn the tide, and just be a better player, and show up when you need them most, and then when the time comes, they never do. Ever, ever, ever. And I'm really disappointed with Marcus Aldridge. I thought he was better than that. If Marcus Aldridge played like that, the way he did against Oklahoma City Thursday night, all the time, the Spurs will be in the championship conversation, but he won't. Eventually, he'll get shut down. Against the Warriors, Draymond Green will punk him. Against somebody, someone will punk him, and he will not show up for the rest of the series. you have, like, the first game, it'll be good. The Nets five, he'll suck. He's never consistent with it, especially in the playoff time. Regular season, he'll put up all these good numbers. Anthony Davis, too, another shooter. Good numbers, but then when it matters most, he's not going to show up for you. He won't. And in that game against the Spurs, Russell Wilson played one of his best games I've ever seen him play. Ever. His decision-making was on point. He had 24 assists in that game. He was a play. Terrence Ferguson's wide open. He was 5-for-5 five five on the three-point line, Terrence Ferguson. Westbrook is open on the wing for a three-pointer. 
He fakes, passes it out to Terrence Ferguson for a wide open three. Both of them wide open, Westbrook passed the ball. That's the first time I've ever seen Russell Westbrook make the right play in that way. Usually you'll take that open deep point shot because he's the man. He wants to lead the team. But he realized, hey, I'm not cooking. Terrence Ferguson is. Let me kick the ball out to him. Let me show him that I trust him and let him shoot the ball. That was growth by Russell Westbrook. If he plays the way he did in that game all the time, he had his mid-range jumper going, his pull-up shot going. He shot a little bit too many threes. He shot like four or five threes in that game. He missed them all. I wish he would take less than that, take two three-pointers a game, take more of his jump shots. And recently, he's been getting better with his free throw percentage because he's down there like 62% for the year. And his three-point percentage is 24%. So you hope that those things get better. I want Russell Westbrook to shoot 50% from mid-range. Three-point range, I don't care about. Mid-range, 50%. And when you get a 50% jump shot going, pull-up jumper, you're going to be able to get to him anytime you want. So, Russ Westbrook, play more games like you did against San Antonio Spurs. And by the way, San Antonio Spurs, Derek White is ugly as hell. I'm sorry for judging the man that way, but Derek White is ugly as hell. Maybe it's just me. He's ugly. But anyway, Russ Westbrook, I need to see more of that game from you because you have it in you. I want to see more of that decision-making, Russell Westbrook. Smarter decisions because if you made smarter decisions and you let Paul George kind of like close for you, you do everything else. You score the ball a little bit, get to the basket, get defense in foul trouble, grab rebounds, get assists, get, and score your points, and let Paul George do the rest. Oh, my God. They can beat the Golden State Warriors this year because their defense is real, too. And R.J. Robinson comes back, and their defense, and Nerlens Noel, and everyone comes back healthy. <sighs> Teams better watch out for none of them. They better be afraid for my Oklahoma City Thunder. I told you guys, Western Conference Finals, Andre Robinson comes back healthy and Westbrook keeps playing the way he did in San Antonio Spurs, I think they'll make the finals. That's my prediction. Now let's move into my New York Knicks. I always got to talk about my Knicks every week. They suck. They had a rough week. They've been having rough weeks, but a little glimmer of hope. Shaquille O'Neal recently made some quotes to TMZ about the Knicks, about how players should be wanting to play in New York. And Dwayne Wade also said how players really want to play for Fitzdale. Shaq said first, I never understood why top-name players wouldn't want to come here. If I was a youngster, Madison Avenue would be turning into Shaq Avenue. People always talk about business and business after basketball. Knicks don't have a star player. So any superstar that comes there, Madison Avenue is going to open up them doors. Dwayne Wade said about Coach Fizdale, I think he's already changed that perception. Players around the league want to play for Fizz. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to happen right away because things happen. Guys stay in certain places or they go team up with someone else. But if you ask every player around the league who is the coach they want to play for, Fizz will come up. People around the league love Fizzdale as a coach. So as a Knicks fan and a person that wanted Fizzdale in New York, to hear a player like Dwayne Wade step up and say, hey, people around the league are going to want to play for Fizz, even if that's not true. Just the Wayne Wade even saying that puts that seed in people's mind because people respect the Wayne Wade's opinion and he is a legend in this game. So if he's saying like, if I was younger, I would play for Fizz, that's going to make other players look at Fizz in a different way. And Shaq saying he doesn't understand why players don't want to play in New York is another good sign for this because he's, he's reminding people like, hey, Madison Avenue, you could be a star here. And he's not taking a shot at Porzingis by saying, hey, the Knicks don't have a star here. You could be a star if you came here. He's not taking a shot at Porzingis because Porzingis is not a star. He hasn't shown that he can be a leader of the Knicks yet. He's gotten hurt. The last year, Porzingis started off well, but he got hurt during the year. And you don't know if he can be that superstar of the team. Personally, Kevin Durant can step in and possibly be that star. 
Kemba Walker, I would love to have him on the team. And if he takes over the Garden, he could be the star. Him and Porzingis would be co-stars of New York. So I'm really happy about these two quotes from these two legends in the game because it puts the Knicks in a different light, even though we're taking this year. I'm telling you, tank for Zion. I want that man Zion Williamson. I want the NBA to rig the lottery so we could be the number one team. We need Zion on our team. If we get Zion, you add him to Kevin Knox and Porzingis, and you add someone like Kevin Durant or Kemba Walker to that team, or both possibly, I'm not going to say that, but I feel like more likely it's going to be Kemba. If you add Kemba with Zion, Kevin Knox, and Bazingas, that'll be a nice nucleus for the New York Knicks. And these quotes from Dwayne Wade and Shaq, just great signs for my team. So let's move on to the NFL. Yes, yes, yes. Let's move on to the NFL. The playoffs are happening. I made my predictions last week. I went 2-2. Two and two. Saturday, I got those games right. I picked the Chiefs and the Rams. On Sunday, I got those games wrong. I picked the Chargers and the Eagles. Lord, Lord, Lord. Let's get into the games from the divisional round. The Chiefs face the Indianapolis Colts. The Chiefs won 31-13. The Colts were a very disappointing team. I thought Patrick Mahomes, he came out on fire. He looked like the pressure wasn't getting to him. The moment wasn't too big for him. He didn't look like an Alex Smith. I kind of was waiting for that moment where the Chiefs would choke and the Colts would come back and make it a game, but that never happened. The Chiefs defense showed up. Chris Jones, Justin Houston, and D. Ford, that whole defense just showed up and shut down Andrew Luck. I was very surprised by that. Luck has a lot of explaining to do. I have never seen a player get destroyed. Destroyed. Completely annihilated by that Chiefs defense. And that Chiefs defense hasn't stopped anyone all year. But I also thought second quarter, I thought that would be the biggest turning point of the whole game when Patrick Mahomes got hurt early in the fourth quarter and then the Colts had a blocked field goal in the second quarter as well. I thought that would be a momentum changer for the Colts. But Angelo got on that field and didn't do anything at all. I have to tip my hat to the Chiefs. They had a great game all around. Everyone stepped up for them. Andy Reid, he finally has his quarterback that is going to lead him to the promised land. I'm so proud for Andy Reid. He finally has that that damn quarterback. Finally has him. And he also has weapons to go around that quarterback because, you know, Donovan McNabb was good enough. He was just as good as probably Patrick Mahomes. He just didn't have any weapons. The only weapon he had was one year at Terrell Owens, and he had Brian Westbrook. That was, And he had Todd Pinkston and Freddie Mitchell. Freddie Mitchell and Todd Pinkston ain't known as the best receivers. So Patrick Mahomes having weapons like Damian Williams, I thought – the Chiefs running game was going to be in trouble without Kareem Hunt. But Damian Williams came in. He had 25 rushes for 129 yards, a touchdown. He also had five catches for 25 yards. Travis Kelsey from the tight end spot, he had seven catches from 108 yards. Tyree Kill, he had eight catches, 72 yards, one rush, 36 yards, and a touchdown rushing. And Sammy Watkins also came in, and he did his thing as well. He had six catches for 62 yards. So, there's weapons around Patrick Mahomes. There's no excuse. So when he faced New England in his title game, I expect to see something. But let's move on to the next game, the Rams versus Cowboys. That happened Saturday night. I was pleasantly surprised by this game. I was not expecting the reversal in roles in this game because the Rams offense line and the Rams defensive line completely dominated the game. Completely. In the regular season, the Rams were giving up 5.1 yards per rush. 
In this game, they only gave up 2.3 yards per rush in that game. Ezekiel Elliott had 47 yards rushing on 20 carries. 47 yards rushing on 20 carries? Lord have mercy. What happened, Zeke? And then the Rams, they had 273 yards rushing. 273 yards rushing. Damn! Damn is right. Damn. God damn. They had 173 yards in the first half. 173. Damn. damn. They just destroyed the Cowboys defense line. I was not expecting that. The Cowboys defense line looked like the same thing happened against the Colts. They got the ball ran down their throats. Ran down their throats. They gave up 200-yard rushes. C.J. Anderson, I don't know where he came from, but he is destroying people right now. And Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley finally stepped up. That's going to be the key to the next game, the running game. But in this game, it was Cowboys versus the Rams, and the Rams' offense and defense line took over the game. And Dak Prescott, he's not one of those players that's going to be able to take the team on his back to win a game. Like, he needs everything to be perfect. He needs He's an Alice Smith. Like, I was listening to Colin Coward. He is an Alice Smith. He needs a good running game. He needs a good defense. If those two things aren't clicking on all cylinders, he's not going to be that quarterback that says, you know what? You have an off day, guys. Defense, you have an off day? I got you. Zeke, you have an off day? I got you, too. This follow me. I'm going to take you to the promised land. He's not one of those guys. Tom Brady's one of those guys. Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys. Russell Wilson can be one of those guys. Cam Newton has his moments where he could be that guy, but I don't think Dak is. Dak is a great leader. He's a great motivator. He's one of those guys that he's a great guy that will take you over the edge. You have a great defense. You have a great offense. If he was in Jacksonville right now, I think Jacksonville would, would win a title. Not Jacksonville saw this year. If he was on Jacksonville, that saw last year with the great defense, the good running game, and a decent offensive line. If he had that around him, he would have won a title with Jacksonville. That's what Dak is. He he can take a team over the edge. If everyone else plays good, that's what he could do. Or he could have went to Minnesota Vikings. They had a good defense. They had a good running game. If he had that, he went to that team, he would make that team be better. But he can't lead a team and be the reason why they win the game. That would never happen for Dak, at least not at this moment. I could see in the future, but not at this early stage in his career. But later on, possibly. And after that game, T.O. also called out Jason Garrett, saying that it's his fault that they lost that game. He's not a good enough coach. We already know that. The only reason why Jason Garrett is around is because he submits to Jerry Jones. That's the only reason why he's still on this team. He lets Jerry Jones talk after the game like he's a coach. He doesn't fight Jerry Jones on things. He's submissive. He's easygoing. He lets him do his own thing, and he toasts the team. And Jerry Jones likes him. He likes that about him. So he's not going anywhere. And plus, since he won this year, he's definitely not going anywhere. So people just need to get used to seeing him around on the team and let him be. Let's take a look at the games from Sunday. The first game was the Patriots versus Chargers. I'm not going to say much about this game. The Patriots won 41-28. The game wasn't even that close. The Patriots completely dominated the Chargers. The Chargers played embarrassingly. I thought the Chargers were going to win. Phillip Rivers, you played like a bum. No one on that team showed up. Gus Bradley, I don't know what you were thinking. Why the hell would you have multiple defensive bats on the field and play zone? First off... New England just ran the ball down their throats because they had too many defensive bats and not enough linebackers in the game. And then they played zone defense. What are you playing zone defense for against Tom Brady? Tom Brady's going to pick a zone defense apart. What were you thinking, Gus Bradley? But talking about Tom Brady, he played amazing. He made every play against 
the Chargers, and in the first half, he scored them damn near every drive. He had, he had a touchdown or a field goal in every single drive. Bill Pelichick and his defense shut down the offense for the Chargers, and that was the most surprising thing. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. They couldn't do anything. It looked all out of whack. Gus Bradley had a terrible defensive plan. Tom Brady got a little contribution from Sony Michelle and James White. That's his offense. That's why I was surprised that they won because the Chargers had a better defense. They have a better offense, and they still lost that game. Maybe because they were tired from going East Coast to West Coast, back to East Coast, back to West Coast. All that traveling for them, it was probably too much. I think they probably should have stayed on the East Coast after the Baltimore game, but that's me. I wouldn't have went all the way back to the West Coast because that's just going to hurt your body. You might as well stay in the East Coast to get your body used to being on this time zone and in the weather. So, I don't know. The Chargers, this was their year. Philip Rivers is now 0-8 against Tom Brady, which is embarrassing. I'm all for them. I'm upset. The Patriots are in the title game. I'm sick of the freaking Patriots. But Tom Brady is amazing. He's the GOAT. He shows up when he needs to. I'm going to stop betting against Tom Brady, especially when he's at home in the playoffs. Never happening again. And the other game that got me mad on Sunday, Sunday night's game, the Eagle versus Saints. I was so mad. This was my, like, sleeper pick. This was my upset of the week. Eagles versus Saints. I picked the Eagles. They almost won. They were right there. They were just there. That first quarter, they destroyed the Saints. They were dominating the Saints, making every play and doing everything right. Second quarter comes. They were still doing the same thing in the beginning of the quarter. The Eagles still flying high. All of a sudden, they score a touchdown. Michael Thomas starts going off. But Marshawn Lattimore makes the biggest play of the game, making a pick when Nick Foles is throwing to Zach Ertz. If Nick Foles throws it a little bit ahead of Zach Ertz and lets him just run under the ball instead of having to jump to go get it, I think that would be a touchdown. It would have been a big play. And the momentum continues for the Eagles, and they probably would have won that game. But instead, they get the pick. And then in the ensuing possession, the Saints run a fake punt with that guy chasing Hill or whatever his name is, Hill, the quarterback and the wildcat quarterback that the saints always use he runs a fake punt that blows open the game that changes the momentum of the game as well but at the end the eagles still have a chance they almost come back and win they're driving alshon jeffrey damn man damn alshon damn what happened baby what happened alshon you dropped that ball i i feel so bad for you when you dropped that ball i was like damn I could feel the pain in his body. I could feel it. He was like, he was just laying on the ground. It's hurt that he dropped that. But it happens to the best of us. Marshawn Lattimore made another great play. He made the game changing, and he made the game ceiling play, Marshawn Lattimore. He was an MVP. And I really just don't get why people just don't double-team Michael Thomas. No one else on the Saints is going to hurt you. Alvin Kamara is going to hurt you because he's going to come out the backfield and catch a couple balls and run the ball. And Mark Ingram, the same thing. He's going to run the ball. But the only person that's catching the ball that's going to hurt you is Michael Thomas. Why are people not doubling him? Why? But that is also my key for the NFC title game. I'm going to get into my prediction right now. It's going to be the Rams versus the Saints. The biggest key, the biggest matchup, Aki Tlaib versus Michael Thomas. Aki Tlaib, I want the Rams to win, so I need Aki Tlaib to show up and shut him down. And I need Wade Phillips. If he notices that his team is getting burnt by Michael Thomas, he needs to make the adjustment and double-team Michael Thomas. Aki's lead can't get it done by himself. That's the game plan right there. And you need to run the ball. If you're the Saints, you need to stop the run from the Rams. I think Sean McVay, what he's going to try to do, he's going to do a lot of play action. He's going to say, oh, everyone saw us running for 273 yards against the Dallas Cowboys, so now I'm just going to switch it up. We're going to do more play action. We're going to throw the ball more. Don't get all fancy with it. 
Run the ball. If it's there, just run the ball. You have Todd Gurley, you have C.J. Anderson. Use it to your advantage. Keep Drew Brees on the sideline. And he, the only way Drew Brees scores is if you throw it to Michael Thomas. Shut that man down. I'm sick of the Saints. They're not that good. That's what you got to bring it home. And in the AFC title game, it's going to be New England versus the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs should win this game. The Chiefs are better all around. If their defense shows up again and shuts down Tom Brady, the typical thing with Tom Brady, make him move around the pocket. Collapse that pocket. Come up the middle. Come up the sides. Chris Jones, Justin Houston, and D. Ford, you guys have to be the disruptors. You can't sit in a zone defense and let Tom Brady just pick you apart. Do not do what Gus Bradley did for the Chargers. Don't let him just pick you apart. Don't put a bunch of DBs on the field so his offense line could just maul him and let them run the ball with Sonya Michelle. Don't let that happen. Only way I see the Patriots win this game is Tom Brady playing fucking amazing. Fucking amazing. Someone else has to step up. It's going to be Gronk. James White again, Sonya Michelle again, Julian Edelman, is he going to step up? Chris Hogan, is he going to step up? Who's going to step up from the wing? Because they don't have enough weapons. What is the defensive plan going to be for Coach Belichick? What is he going to do? How is he going to stop this offense? He couldn't stop them in week six when they lost 45, 48 to 45, something like that, 45 to 42. It was a, a lot of points scored in that game, a lot. And a lot of them happened because Patrick Mahomes turned the ball over, and it was in New England. This game is going to be in Kansas City, and I don't like – New England's chances in Kansas City. They should win this game. And Patrick Holmes, this is going to be a true test. Last week was a test because it was to see, like, hey, you haven't won at home in the playoffs in the wild, Kansas City. It was a test to see if y'all could do it. This week is really to see, like, where is Patrick Holmes at? Is he ready to take that next step and be an elite quarterback in this game and it's only his first year started? We're going to see. We're going to find out this weekend. It's going to be the Chiefs and it's going to be the Rams in the Super Bowl, a rematch from one of the better games of the year when it was going off against each other. And you guys already know where I stand. The Rams are going to win this year. So let's move on to other news that's going on in the NFL. Let's talk about my Jets and their new hire, Adam Gates, as their head coach. I wasn't excited about this pick. First off, he's creepy. Don't ever look at anyone else ever again like that. That was creepy. Creepy as hell. I thought he was a pedophile. I know I see why he always has that hat on during press conferences. Keep the hat on. Or go to Deion Sanders, go to Brian Erlacher. They have the hairline restoration surgery. Go there. Or I was looking at Vice News. They have this guy called Wade the Barber. Shout out because his name is Wade, so I have to shout him out. Wade the Barber. He gives you like a prosthetic. You can get like a fake hair. Like black people can get like fake waves. He just puts it in your head. You can just scoot it in your head and you have waves and stuff. You get different hairstyles. You can have a high top fade and it's all in your head. It's like a man weave. I would never do it because I don't need that crap. I have a good hairline for now. And it looks like I'll have one for years to come. My dad has a pretty good hairline, so I'm good. But if you guys need a new hairline, Adam Gates, go holler at Wade the Barber because your hairline is ridiculous. Keep a hat on, please. But I'm not excited about him being on my team because he didn't really do much around Ryan Tannehill. And this year, he did kind of a good job when they put in Brock Osweiler. He did a little thing with Brock, but... I'm not impressed. I want to see what he can do with Sam Darnold. I know he worked with Peyton Manning in Denver, but we'll have to see what he does with Sam Darnold. I'm more excited about Greg Williams being my defensive corner right now because him coming to the Jets defense with Jamal Adams, Leonard Williams, Tremaine Johnson, all those pieces that we have on the defensive side of the football, oh my goodness, I can't wait to see that. I can't wait to see that. Darren Lee, Jordan Jenkins, all these pieces. We just need to get like a pass rusher. We need someone that just wakes up and just sacks niggas. 
That's what we need on the Jets team. We just need someone that every single game, he's going to sack a nigga. I need that on my Jets team. We haven't had that in years since Sean Ellis and John Abraham. That was years ago, and they weren't really sack artists. John Abraham kind of was, but we need someone that's going to sack somebody. We thought we were going to get that with Calvin Pace. We thought that was what he was going to do when he came to the Jets, but he didn't do that for us. I'm happy about Greg Williams being my defensive coordinator. I can't wait to see what he's going to do for my team. Also, going on right now, more drama with Antonio Brown and Big Ben. <sighs> Jerry Rice is going hard right now to get Antonio Brown to come to the San Francisco 49ers, saying this week that, hey, Antonio Brown really wants to be a 49er. He really wants to get traded here. Like, calm down. Calm down. Please. Wow. Why are you going so hard? Pause. Why are you? Damn. Please. Please. Gosh. But that would be a good move. I think that would be a great move for the 49ers if they did trade for Antonio Brown. If you add Antonio Brown with George Kittle, then you have Jimmy Garoppolo and Antonio Brown, and you add that with Pierre Garçon, and you have those running backs in the backfield, Kyle Shanahan have a field day figuring out an offense to, to work with that team. I think that would be a good pickup for them. But I don't care about that. Let's get to the juicy part. Big Ben and Antonio Brown. Emmanuel Sanders has stuff to say about the situation that's going on in Pittsburgh right now. He was talking this week to the Embassy Sports. He has some quotes in there. If Big Ben was a better leader, some of the issues with Antonio Brown wouldn't have arisen. He goes on to say in the article, me and Mike Wallace used to talk about this. If Ben called me out on a radio show, I would walk up to him and say, don't do that. Keep my name out of your mouth. You are a leader of this team. Be a leader. That's the reason why my comments when I first became a Denver Bronco and said Peyton Manning is a better leader than Ben Roethlisberger. All that has come to fruition. I don't lie. I don't hate anybody. I just speak the truth. And that's the truth. It is the truth. Big Ben is a terrible leader, guys. I don't know if you guys know this. Big Ben is one of the worst leaders on the team. And that's the reason why the Steelers are where they are. I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again. Big Julius. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. Big Julius. Say it one more time. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. Emmanuel Sanders basically said that to Big Ben Roethlisberger. Attitude reflect leadership. Look at the leadership of the Steelers. Big Ben, someone who blames other people for mistakes. He never takes ownership for anything. Antonio Brown, leader on the team. Look what he does. He's acting like this. He doesn't show up to team meetings. He's skipping practice and all this other stuff. What do you think the Steelers locker room is going to be like? It's probably in disarray, disorganized. You saw how the Steelers offensive line talked bad about their own player, their own teammate, and Le'Veon Bell. How do you talk bad about your own teammate and Le'Veon Bell? How do you do that? Talking about that man's money. He's trying to make some money to feed his daughters. It's all good, baby, baby. But still... How do you do that to your own teammate, Pittsburgh? How do you throw your teammate under the bus like that? Offensive line of the Pittsburgh Steelers? That's why I don't like the Steelers. I'm glad they lost. I like Mike Tomlin, but right now, I think he needs to go. I'm sorry. I love Mike Tomlin, but I think he needs to go. He needs to start fresh. If Antonio Brown stays, Mike Tomlin needs to go. He does. If I was another player in that locker room, I am not respecting Mike Tomlin after the situation if you let Antonio Brown stay. There's no reason to respect you at all. Big Ben, there's not nothing good gonna come to steal so Big Ben is gone from that team because he's a terrible leader. Any man that blames other people for mistakes, that interception he threw against the Denver Broncos that he blamed Antonio Brown for was ridiculous. First off, if Antonio Brown ran a better route, 
the offensive line was still going to intercept the ball. It was all on Big Ben. The defender was came underneath the route. So what was Antonio Brown going to do? But no, Big Ben always blames everyone else except for himself. He never takes ownership of anything. If I played alongside Big Ben, I'll be, we would have fought already, to be honest with you. We would have fought. Always been sick of Big Ben. Sick of him. Sick of him. I hate when he does stuff like that. He always calls out Mike Tomlin. He calls out his offensive coordinators. Like, who likes players like that? I hate quarterbacks who are entitled. He's an entitled little, mm, can't stand Big Ben. Take ownership. Be a leader for that team. Do something. Do something. There's no reason why this team should be missing the playoffs and all that goddamn talent on that offense and you about to let them lose Antonio Brown because you have too much pride to take ownership for things. You're going to lose Antonio Brown. Like, I know I know Pittsburgh is known for having a receiver factory. They had practical birds. They had Mike Wallace. They had Manny Sanders. They had a whole bunch of receivers come through there, and they still keep getting more receivers. But Antonio Brown's a special receiver, man. He's not just another guy. He's a special receiver. He's not Santonio Holmes. He's not any one of the receivers that you thought you could replace and you did successfully replace. Antonio Brown's a big piece. I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be playing the way he is if Antonio Brown is not on the other side. He demands a double team, and he beats those. He's special. Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham Jr. are special receivers. So when they act crazy like this, I kind of get it because it's like, nigga, I'm great. I'm great. Randy Moss, if he acted like this, I will understand because he's great. These are like great players. You just throw the ball in their direction. They're coming down with that ball. They are amazing players. So you got to understand where they're coming from. Like, I'm fucking amazing. I can do anything. I can do anything on this field. Odell Beckham Jr. can do anything what he wants on that field. You just got to give him a quarterback that's going to get him the ball. The same thing with Antonio Brown. I don't think... You could say that Big Ben made Santonio, Big Ben made Plastico Burris, Big Ben made Emmanuel Sanders, Big Ben made Mike Wallace. You could say all that, but I don't think Big Ben made Antonio Bryant. Business is booming with Antonio Bryant. I think Antonio Bryant and Odell Beckham Jr., those two quarterbacks are otherworldly. They could do whatever they want on that football field. They are just great football players, bottom line. You just can't guard them. Randy Moss, you just couldn't guard them. He was amazing. You just could not guard him. Actually, Adam Gates, please do whatever you have to do. Get Antonio Brown on that motherfucking team. Get Antonio Brown on the Jets. Get Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Brown on the Jets. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Sam Donald's going to be in the playoffs. I guarantee you that. If Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell come to New York Jets and Adam Gates is who they say he is, a quarterback whisperer, quarterback guru, the Jets are going to make the playoffs. With that defense being led by Greg Williams and the offense having weapons like Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Numa, Chris Herndon, Bilal Powell, Isaiah Crowell, if you want to keep them, whoever stays, that offense will be otherworldly, otherworldly. Some other moves that happened this week also was with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray said he's going to declare for NFL draft. I don't really have anything to say about this. If you know me, I believe... The first thing I'm telling my son is, hey, if you want to play sports, the sport you should be is basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer. Those contracts are guaranteed. Football will be on the bottom of that list because I'm not sending my son out there. I forgot to say this before, but I, I like LeBron's PSA he did about football that he did on his show The Shop a few weeks back. Basically, he did that should night thing that Clemson did. He was like, yo, 
if you want to be valued, if you don't want to be taken advantage of, if you don't want to be replaced after one play, come play basketball. Don't play football. That's basically what he said. Don't play football no more. Like, they don't value. It is value from week by week. They don't actually invest time in you. They don't invest money into you. They don't give you a guaranteed contract. They treat you like a slave. That's basically what LeBron said. So me, personally, if I was Kyle Murray, I would not be going to the NFL. I would take every bit of money and go to the baseball. But I understand if he loves football and he wants to be the shortest quarterback ever and he thinks he could be the greatest quarterback ever and be the shortest quarterback ever to be the greatest, hey, why not? Being an NFL quarterback is amazing. Baseball, you don't get that. That star power is not the same as being an NFL starting quarterback, a successful NFL starting quarterback. Imagine the endorsements Patrick Mahomes would get if he won the title this year. Imagine the endorsements this man will get. Imagine. He'll be a poster boy of the NFL if he wins something this year. That's the magnitude that Kyle Murray can get to if he plays in the NFL. Baseball, you may not get there. Look at Mike Trout, the best player. And this, we, we never hear anything from Mike Trout. This man goes to football games and no one recognizes him. He can just sit in the crowd and no one recognizes him at all. At all. Unless ESPN shows a camera actually showing, hey, Mike Trout, and his name is right there. That's the only way you know that's Mike Trout. The only way. So, me, I say baseball, but if you love football and you love that star power you could have as an NFL starting quarterback, I say go with it. Before I say goodbye to you guys, I just want to say one thing about the Clemson Tigers and their visit to the White House. Donald Trump, get the Clemson Tigers some real food. Why would you serve the McDonald's? Something they could get around the corner from where they live. Why the hell would you serve a McDonald's? That's nasty. Come on, man. You have hospitality. You're going to serve someone McDonald's when they come to your house? You're going to serve a champion McDonald's? McDonald's. The dinner of champions. Ridiculous. It's disrespectful. This man has no respect. And since when do you go there so fast? Usually they give you a little time before you have to go visit the president. They probably try to sneak it in so no one could criticize them for going. But that's what you get for going. You get McDonald's. But anyway, thank you guys for listening again this week. I'm going to talk to you guys next week. If you guys want to talk about any one of the topics, you can hit me up on IG or Twitter at SuperJunior underscore 93. Or you can go to my website. It's connected to IG. And you can go to the chat area and you can chat about anything. Talk about whatever you want. It's up to you. Thank you guys for tuning in again. Yes, Lord, it's the shit I want to go out to. Yeah, yeah, it's the shit I want to go out to. Hey, y'all. <laughs>